0: ...shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others, uh, if you are for providing misinformation out there.
1: Hello, humanoids and other assorted creatures. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It is July the 6th, 2023. We are live streaming on Rumble Locals and YouTube. Share, subscribe, tap. The notification bell if you have not if you want to join us for the post-game show to ask me questions to offer up commentary to critique and make me think you can do that at rubinreport.locals.com and that cold open that clownish buffoonish Jen Saki uh, is a good segue to what we're gonna be doing on the show today because as you know, the big news of the last couple of days has been these Supreme Court decisions. They've been laying out some big stuff, some major decisions, and the left and the Democrats, and the mainstream media, and the corporate press, and that whole cadre of clown car crazy people. They ain't happy about it. And right now, what we are seeing is virtually all of them, all of them openly and quite literally disregard the rule of law, checks and balances, and the very Constitution itself. And uh, part of that is because some of these decisions have really kneecapped Joe Biden's agenda, and uh, they ain't happy about that. So we're going to do a couple things. I do have to warn you in advance. We have a couple clips of AOC. She is completely bananas. So you are warned. Uh, And then after all that, we've got a Rubin Report community Q&A. Let's get right to it. Why not, right? I mean, uh, what else do we have to do today? Do a show? As long as we're we're sitting here, we'll do a show. So of course, the big big three uh, decisions that the Supreme Court laid out were the affirmative action decision. You guys know all about that, that affirmative action will no longer be allowed to be used as part of college admissions, which is fantastic. We are removing systemic racism from the system itself. You don't want to judge people by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. There was some old guy who used to say something like that. Uh, The other one that the Supreme Court ruled against uh, was student debt forgiveness, uh, loan forgiveness. And of course, this was a major promise that Joe Biden made right before the election election. Everybody knew it was unconstitutional. The government has no right to just wipe away anyone's debt. I've got a mortgage. I'd like them to wipe away my debt. The government cannot just do that. But Biden, who had previously said it was illegal to do Nancy Pelosi, who was speaker of the house at the time, she had previously said it was illegal to do. They said they were going to do it knowing it was going to get young people to vote for them. Young people did vote for them voted more so for Democrats than most people thought in the midterms. The red wave never happened. And then, of course, it gets struck down by the Supreme Court. So they're not happy about affirmative action. They're not happy about that. And then, of course, the third one was this Colorado web designer uh, who was granted the right not to service those who go against his faith, meaning if he didn't want to do a website for gay porn, for example. He doesn't have to be forced into doing that. He has to offer the same services to everyone, regardless of immutable characteristics, right? We have the anti-discrimination laws of the early 60s, uh, but you obviously wouldn't, Uh, want to force a Jewish painter to have to paint Jews in gas chambers. You wouldn't force a, let's say, Muslim baker to bake a cake uh, with the image of their prophet Muhammad on it, et cetera, et cetera. So these things, all of these decisions put choice and individual rights back in the hands of the people. So they were, they were all good. And uh, as you guys know, when good things happen, that freaks out the progressives, Here is uh, noted wizard Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on uh, on CNN, (laughs) AOC-CNN, basically saying that the Supreme Court must be destroyed.
2: Congresswoman, you've called on President Biden to expand the Supreme Court to 13 justices, but even after uh, Roe was overruled last year and this past week, what we saw with affirmative action and other uh, cases. I want you to listen to what President Biden said. He said this on Thursday on MSNBC. I think if we start the process of trying to expand the court, we're gonna politicize it maybe forever in a way that is not healthy. That you can't get back. That you can't get back. I'd like you to respond to that. And also you mentioned a moment ago judicial review. Uh, are you also saying that the justices uh, power should somehow be limited
0: I I truly do and this is not a new and this is not a new development in history this is part of our system of checks and balances the courts if they were to proceed without any check on their power, without any balance on their power, uh, then we will start to see an undemocratic and frankly dangerous authoritarian expansion of power in the Supreme Court, which is what we are seeing now.
1: A- AOC is truly like, it's one of these things, like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So let's for one second, cause I'm not gonna do it for more than about two seconds. Uh, let's say she has good intentions. You guys all know where good intentions take us, right? The road to hell, it's paved by them. But I actually don't think she has good intentions. I think she would love to undo everything that is good about the United States. I don't think she just doesn't understand the issues. I think she is actively pursuing a series of policies that would undermine the constitution, the checks and balances that she's pretending to care about. And when she dare say she's worried about authoritarianism, is there anything she wouldn't want the power to tell you to do? So just very quickly, I was bulleting bulleting it out uh, while she was talking there. First off, we should not have an expansion of the court, right? The court is now made up of justices who have all been uh, nominated by presidents and then brought in by the Congress, right, and Senate. They were all allowed into the court, and that's how it works. That's just how it works. The idea, you know, then they talk about Roe for Justice, second. there's a lot here. Um, really, this morning, I got a guy downstairs doing electric work. It's a haywire day. Uh, the Roe situation did not take away anyone's rights as you guys know, right? What did the Roe v. Wade decision, the reversal of Roe Roe v. Wade do? It just said, hey, there's no constitutional right to abortion, it's just not in the Constitution itself. We looked at the doc and uh, no, the word abortion's not in here, it's not here. So when things are not in this document, this Constitution, which by the way, she doesn't like very much, But when they're not in here, that means the power goes back to the state. So all they did was abide by the Constitution. That that is regardless of your personal feelings about abortion, right? So, okay, that's one thing. And then this idea that the justices' power is not limited. Lady, the justices have to be nominated by the president. They have to be confirmed by the Senate. That is how their power is limited in the first place, right? There's a process to put them there. And the Constitution limits their power by default, meaning we have... Three branches of government. I know she's not very good at this. We have the legislative branch, right? That is Congress and the Senate. They write laws. The president, what does he do? He's in charge of the executive branch. He signs those laws into law. They put a bill at his, he, he signs the bill into law. They put it at his desk, he signs it, right? He's got a lot of pens. And then, of course, the legisl- uh, the uh, judicial branch, sorry, the judicial branch, which then says, oh, are these things legal? Do they abide by the laws of the land, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, et cetera, et cetera? And what the uh, court decided in these three decisions was we should not discriminate based on skin color. That's good, right? They said we should not force anyone to use their artistic uh, talents in a way that they do not want. That's good, and that if you take debt on you, it's not for someone else to pay off. So when she's pretending that these things are the are the courts legislating or the courts overstepping their bounds, it's the complete reverse. So it is up to you to decide whether you think she's just willfully ignorant or dangerously malicious. Obviously, I think it's the latter. And if you want proof that it's the latter, she wants Congress to actually investigate uh, Chief Justice John Roberts and Clarence Thomas.
0: We have members of the court themselves with Justice Elena Kagan saying that the court is beginning to assume the power of a legislature. And right now, whether it is expansion of the court.
2: I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to, yes. how, how do you do that? How do you, are you proposing a law or a bill? There's several ways.
0: First, we have a Senate Judiciary Committee that is beginning the process of investigating the entanglements and conflicts of interest. I believe that if justice if chief justice roberts will not come before congress for an investigation voluntarily i believe that we should be considering subpoenas we should be considering investigations we must pass pass much more binding and stringent ethics guidelines where we see members of Cong- uh, where we see members of the of the supreme court potentially breaking the law as we saw in the refusal you know with clarence thomas to recuse himself uh, from cases implicating his wife in in january 6th There also must be impeachment on the table.
1: Impeachment investigations take out everyone on that court that I don't like. And somehow they're the authoritarians. She would love if she could give Clarence Thomas the boot and John Roberts and everyone who wasn't a far left progressive on that court. She would love to pack the court so her legislative agenda would never be challenged. She's the authoritarian, right? She's the authoritarian. By the way, speaking of the Supreme Court, did we ever find out who leaked uh, the Roe v. Wade decision? Remember that? Isn't that bizarre? We never found that out. It happened a month before the decision came out. It's also kind of bizarre. You know, they found a whole bunch of cocaine at the White House the other day. Hunter Biden happened to be there the same day. Uh, CNN and Politico reported yesterday, investigators are saying, we're never gonna know who brought it in. God, the machine. You have to admire it. It's evil at some points. Uh, but one more From AOC, because Clarence Thomas uh, really went after Ketanji Brown Jackson uh, in one of his uh, briefings. And I thought it was quite, you'll see. Well, he's giving you Thomas Sowell-level stuff here, and uh, AOC ain't having it.
2: Here is part of what Justice Thomas wrote. He said, quote, Justice Jackson uses her broad observations about statistical relationships between race and select measures of health, wealth, and well-being to label all blacks as victims. Her desire to do so is unfathomable to me. It is an insult to individual achievement and cancerous to young minds seeking to push through barriers. Their race is not to blame for everything, good or bad, that happens in their lives. What is your response to that?
0: I mean, what Justice Clarence Thomas wrote there, I believe, is profoundly disrespectful. Um, to, uh, to, I, I just think it was profoundly disrespectful to his colleague. It includes sweeping uh, assumptions about her worldview. Whereas, when you look at what. Um, What the response was from Justice Ketanji Brown, we saw that her dissent was grounded in fact. It was grounded in the facts of the case. For him to come out and insinuate that her opinion is due to some sort of inferior or less than, uh, you know, less than than really thought out uh, of a stance, I think it's profoundly insulting.
1: You're profoundly insulting, you brain-dead dullard. What Thomas said very clearly in in all of his remarks, right? Because they have, they have to write basically essays explaining their decisions, right? And they're also allowed to write about the dissenters and the dissenters are, are allowed to write about the people who are on the other side of it. That's how, that's how the whole thing works. If you think for one second that Clarence Thomas wasn't thought out when he was criticizing Ketanji Brown-Jackson, Ketanji Brown-Jackson is doing progressive 101, right? That skin color matters more than anything else, that we should destroy meritocracy in the name of collectivism, that we should pick winners and losers, et cetera, et cetera. So he's not, he's not going after her in a way that is unjust. What AOC does not like is that Ketanji Brown-Jackson and AOC are on the wrong side of this thing. And most people know it, right? I mean, I get that there is like this hysterical, never-ending, screeching AOC-style mainstream media person who demands that we look at everyone's race and is obsessed with everyone's genitals and everything else. But the average person, when that court order came down last week, I really think the average person was, just looked at it for anyone who was just paying attention, you know, not the most hyper-political people, but the average person was like, yeah, we shouldn't be discriminating and we should stop punishing Asian kids and we should stop punishing white kids. And if there were any laws that were stopping black kids from getting into schools, then sure, we should look at that. We should not have any discrimination, but you have to understand these people are upset that people are allowed to make choices, like the the issue with the web designer in Colorado. They are upset that people who make bad choices, say getting a whole bunch of student loans to go to Syracuse to get a useless degree in communications, uh, have to pay the price for that. And they are upset that discrimination will uh, not be part of the college admissions process. This is the backwards way they look at everything. Uh, But of course, then there are luminaries wise elderly statesman that we have, like Joe Biden, the elderly man pretending to be president. And he was asked what he thought about these Supreme Court decisions. With all his incredible wisdom, take a look. Did you overstep your authority? I think the court misinterpreted the Constitution.
2: Mr. President, president would you meet a failure in Afghanistan?
1: I get it, he's mind muddled and whatever. He knows they didn't misinterpret the Constitution. Where in the Constitution does it say if you take out loans that the government should be able to wipe away those loans? Where in the Constitution does it say that schools should be allowed to discriminate against people? That would be against the Constitution because we have individual rights. You get it with with the Colorado website designer. Where does in the Constitution does it say you should force people to use their artistic skills in a way that you wish That they could it's everything they say is nonsense that's why it's never detailed it's never nuanced right it's these broad sweeping statements show me i'm trying here to give you like the specifics well what is in the constitution individual rights are in the constitution right free speech is in the constitution for example uh the right to bear arms the right to peaceably assemble etc etc there are things that are specifically in there but they take things that are not in there, abortion. And then if you kick it back to the states, which is in the constitution, if it's not in the constitution, you let you leave it up to the states, not up to the federal government. These are all, see, the problem also is that they don't care about any of these things. Like we can all talk about how the thing is supposed to work. We can talk about what's in the constitution. We can talk about what's in the Bill of Rights and all of those things. But the more that it goes against their agenda. To them, that's more fuel to the fire to burn down these documents and all of our institutions in the first place. Uh, but some other things have happened over the last couple of days that are also decapping Joe Biden's authoritarian, to use AOC's word, uh, agenda. Uh, here is uh, a federal judge now has issued an order that the executive agencies, the CIA, FBI, et cetera, et cetera, uh, they are no longer allowed to collude with big tech companies to censor you. I I thought that was sort of baked into the whole freaking thing already, but we know over the last couple of years, it's not. Here's a little more on that.
2: Federal judge says the Biden administration may have violated the first amendment during the pandemic by censoring social media posts. Justice correspondent David Spun reports live from the DC newsroom. David, what can you tell us?
1: Hi, Jillian. This is a temporary injunction, not a final ruling. However, this temporary injunction could have major implications on free speech. It came down today on a federal holiday from a federal judge in Louisiana. Judge Terry Dottie blocked officials and agencies in the Biden administration from communicating with social media companies, think Facebook, Google, Twitter, about the topic of protected speech okay so before we get to what they've done in the past what this judge just did with this temporary injunction is fantastic right we know that the cia the fbi the intelligence agencies that they were working with tech companies we know that i've showed you a billion clips of all of that right jen saki we flag posts for facebook at the height of covid Uh, we now know through the twitter files that there were eight government agents literally working at twitter some of them may still work there now so god only knows how many of them work at facebook and youtube and everything else once a government agent is doing something with a big tech organization uh, to censor you or to imply censorship there were also emails leaked where government agents were basically saying we know this from mark zuckerberg on joe biden we've uh, on joe biden on joe rogan we've shown you that clip uh, where Zuckerberg said, you know, a little bit before the Hunter Biden story broke, we got word from the government that something was coming and we should just cool it. So we did what we could, right? So they have absolutely infringed on my first amendment right to free speech and your first amendment right to free speech. Let's not forget in July, 2021, when I said that mandates were coming and the vaxes weren't working, I was banned from Twitter, Right. I was banned from Twitter. Thankfully, I have locals, so I was still able to get word out. And then eventually enough people caught wind of it and they brought me back. Jordan Peterson, banned from Twitter for saying that uh, Ellen Page is a male and Ellen Page is a male, okay? That's just the truth. You can chop body parts off. It doesn't change your biology. The question is, if the government was working with people to silence any of us, then it is a violation of the First Amendment. Now, I've talked about this before and I've talked to several uh, First Amendment lawyers on this. It's a really interesting thing. It turns out that you actually don't have uh, many uh, options to when the government does violate your First Amendment. So meaning, let's say we found out for sure, without question, that the government, when I was banned from Twitter, they didn't want it out known that the faxes weren't working, which is what I said. They weren't working as promised. They also, had mandates coming, they didn't want that out. If someone from the government called Twitter or emailed someone at Twitter and said, hey, take this post down, you would think that I have some recourse with the government, but you really don't. You really don't. I've talked about this with Harmeet Dillon and and many other lawyers. Like you can maybe get involved in a lawsuit and spend a whole bunch of money and maybe the government will issue an apology, but there's no punitive damages on that. They're not gonna write a check. Here's 10 million. Sorry about that violation of your first amendment. So that's why they keep doing it. Also, no one ever gets fired from the tech companies. Nobody ever gets fired from the government, et cetera, et cetera. Here is White House spokeswoman or man, whatever she is, cringe Jean-Pierre, and uh, she disagrees and believes that the government should be working with big tech companies to censor you. Uh, there, go.
2: And specifically, do you disagree with the judges ruling that, that this coordination was a form of censorship that specifically targeted conservative speech? Look, we dis- disagree
0: with the decision. I'll leave it there, and I'm going to let DOJ do their, move forward with their evaluating process.
1: Before we get to cringe Jean-Pierre, Connor just noted, I think I said, did I say that Ellen Page was a male? Look, the point is nobody, nobody cares. It's so stupid that, that even saying any of this stuff is just ridiculous with the pronouns and everything else. But yes, so there you go. So cringe Jean-Pierre, what is, what does she want? She wants the government to be able to censor you on big tech. So now let's swing over to the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. Here is a guy named Ryan Riley. Never heard of him before, but he's, uh, I guess, a contributor over there. Uh, And he's uh, very upset that uh, the Biden administration is not going to be able to censor you as much as they once could.
2: Safe to say the administration will eventually appeal this.
1: I think that's pretty safe, and I think that that's where the worry is in terms of communicating uh, with social media companies uh, about ongoing threats and the national security threat, and it creates sort of a carve out for that. But essentially what a lot of these allegations have to do with is the government flagging posts that violate the standards that these social media companies have independently set up. So if they find something that's that you know, they're flagging this post and say, hey, this, they're not explicitly saying, you need to take this down, often there's sort of an implicit uh, implication there, if, saying, oh, just you know, bring this to your attention and then the social media company can decide independently whether or not that violates their ongoing standards. But it's a, I mean, it's a really new area and a really complicated one and one that there should be close guardrails on to make sure that the government is not overreaching. But the idea that the government can't have any uh, communication
2: with these social media companies, I don't think is, something, is really a world that we would want to live in.
1: What an absolute tool. Dude, I don't want to live in the world that you want to live in. You want to live in a censorious world. What he's saying there is the mafia move is okay. First off, what right is it? That, let's say there was all sorts of misinformation on every social media platform right now. And guess what? There is, right? People lie all day long. They Now with AI images and there's going to be AI video and voice and all of the stuff and memes and and just Everything, it's, it all exists right now. Do you think the government should be coming in and silencing people for that? Will that make anything better? Of course the answer is no. But then when he says this thing, well, the, you know, they didn't really force anyone to do anything. They just contacted these guys just to tell people, oh, you know, Facebook, uh, some of these people uh, are doing things that are against your own policies over there. I've always described this as this is the ultimate mafia move. What does the mafia do? what does the mafia do when they want to extract a price, right? They walk into your restaurant and they go, boy, this is an awfully nice restaurant you got here. It'd be a shame if something happens to it. So they didn't just walk in and shoot you dead, but they told you, you are going to behave the way we wish that you would behave. Otherwise, something might happen to your restaurant or something might happen to your big tech company. The fact that this guy and these ideas are put on mainstream media to, to put the nugget into some NPC who watches MSNBC or any of these channels, to put it in their head that, oh yes, the, well, I guess I wouldn't wanna live in a world where I couldn't be censored by the government and big tech. Who, what am I, what am I, some sort of thinking automaton? Come on. Anyway, it just absolutely uh, never stops. You guys know it never stops. I wanna show you just like a perfect example you know, one of Michael Malice's great lines that I quote often on Twitter is that the corporate press is the enemy of the people. Right? I say it. I say it often on the show, and i really believe I've really come to believe that that is true. Almost everything that comes out of the corporate press is a lie, or an obfuscation, or a confusion of the truth. And every now and again, a headline comes through that is just a perfect, perfect example of that. I saw this yesterday from CBS. Look at this. A controversial Florida law that took effect Saturday no longer recognizes driver's license issued to undocumented immigrants from other states, among other restrictions. Connor, just leave that up for just a moment. Now, look at the way they, first off, this is CBS News. This is not opinion. This is not the editorial page or anything else. But look at the way they frame it. It's controversial first, right? So the second word you get there, ugh. Controversial. Oh, well, something must be weird. And then Florida, controversy. Florida, okay, must be that right wing crazy Ron DeSantis guy. It took effect Saturday, that's fine. No longer recognizes driver's license issued to undocumented immigrants. Well, that's an, also an interesting editorialization of what's going on here. They're not undocumented immigrants, they are illegal immigrants, right? Illegal immigrants from other states, among other restrictions. It does seem odd that you would have uh, driver's licenses and other pieces of identification for people who are here here illegally already. But this is what they do. Then the average person watches that and they go, my God, it is controversial what Florida is doing. Florida must be racist or something. But these people, they watch these things and then they become crazy. They become crazy people. And to prove... How crazy these people have become. One more from MSNBC. I apologize in advance. It's noted racist Joy Reid. And thankfully, if you live near Joy Reid, I don't know where she lives. I guess they shoot that in New York, right? They shoot that thing in New York, so she probably lives somewhere in the tri-state area. If you were out and about celebrating on July 4th, fireworks, hot dogs, hamburgers, beer, the whole thing, music, you had no chance of seeing Joy Reid because she stayed home during July 4th because she's scared. Hallelujah. Take a look.
2: Caroline Light, who literally wrote the book on these laws, writes for the Tampa Bay Times that Florida has become the stand your ground hellscape in which lethal violence can be shoehorned into a tidy narrative of armed good guys deflecting a multitude of suspicious bad guys. Never mind that those presumed bad guys often turn out to be pool cleaners, ride sharing customers, furniture delivery people, and sometimes neighbors. Um, I have to say, I did not go out on July 4th and would not. The idea of going to a mass gathering, a parade or a big fireworks thing outside seems insane to me, to be blunt, in America. Because America is awash with guns and now people don't just have them. They seem to want to shoot people with them and use them for whatever, you know.
1: Yeah, they're just using guns forever. Uh, We're guessing by the backdrop there that she's actually in D.C., not New York City. So in D.C., you know, there is a good chance you'd be shot uh, this craziness where she associates everything with Florida and guns and everything. We did a little research, had Brock open up the old laptop, we did a little research. Uh, Fourth of July weekend, interestingly, in Chicago, this was e- even for Chicago, this is pretty good. 73 people were shot in Chicago, 11 fatal. Interesting, you don't know any of their names. There are no parades for any of those people or anything uh, because virtually all of them uh, were black shot by black people. Uh, so that doesn't fit the narrative. Can't do that. How many? So that's Chicago, which has basically the strictest gun laws in the entire uh, country. Chicago, of course, is a city in a state of Illinois. How many people were shot in Florida? Uh, 14 in the entire state. Uh, one was fatal. Uh, do you see the difference there? Do you see the absolute difference? These people lie, and then and then you have this crazy psychotic lunatic, and that's the only way I can describe her, Joy Reid, who is afraid of going out because of gun violence. It is truly, truly wild. I've got one more for you because I've given you a lot of crazy, right? We plowed through AOC and MSNBC clips and Joy Reid. I've been bludgeoning you. God bless you for watching the program today as I've abused you, slapped you across your virtual face. How about a little sanity? How about a little sanity? How do we fix this thing? Well, we got to stand up for what's right. It ain't that complicated. This has gone on across this country for far too long. 2024 is the time to put up or shut up. No more excuses about why we can't win against the left. No more excuses about why you didn't do what you said you would do. The time to act is now, and I believe if we do it right, 2024 is going to be the year when the parents across this country finally fight back. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't have to belabor the point. You know, I think he's right. If we all just start acting seriously, if we start voting in the right people, if we mock the other people to oblivion, if we expose them for what they are, if we stop giving them power and attention and money and votes, we could fix the freaking thing and we shall have peace. All right, people, let's get to a Ruben Report locals community Q&A. Here we go. Talway says, for most of my life, before becoming, quote, right wing, I thought of the concept, uh, I thought the concept of normal was an impossible goal as everyone is different. With the calls now going out for a return to normal, is that an even uh, achievable goal? And what does it even mean to you? Wow, that was a hell of a a segue from from the normalcy I just threw you. Uh, Yes, I do think normal. So, okay, so what what does normal mean? Um, We all probably have some different divergent view of normal, but a Basic understanding that we have rule of law. You can't break the law. You can't just walk into a CBS and steal a whole bunch of stuff. You can't smoke crack on the street. Basic reality, boys are boys and girls are girls racism is not cool. Like we can get back to something, which again, I always describe as this was the childhood that I had in the eighties, it worked through the nineties and and into much of the two thousands. We had solved most of these problems. We had put this stuff to bed. It doesn't mean it was perfect, but it was roughly normal. We had some things that brought us together. Sports, for example, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL. They weren't overly politicized. So you could watch, say, the Super Bowl with your family and you didn't have to worry that there was going to be some crazy messaging about some woke nonsense. Or you could watch the Oscars 20 years ago where they were always a little bit political, but it wasn't it wasn't sheer lunacy something normal would be something cultural that we'd all be like, yeah, you know, there's some weird stuff and we can agree to disagree, but we're basically back to something sane. To me, at a political level, I think DeSantis is the guy that can shift us back there. It's not all political, right? It starts with you first. It starts with the mamas at the school boards and all of those things. But politically, I think, I think, the piece of it that you need at the executive level at the presidency. DeSantis obviously is the right guy on that. Uh, Caesar says, what's your next car? Something cool or a boring mini, minivan? So, you know, we have only had one car for years, forever. Uh, the two of us have only had one car. We, uh, are, we had for many years, we had a, a Chevy Equinox which I absolutely loved. And then about, uh, it was about probably five years ago, we shift over to to the Tesla Model X, which is absolutely awesome. Obviously it's not cheap, but it is just such a incredible, beautiful piece of technology and machinery and everything about it is just absolutely wonderful. Um finally now with the two kids, uh, we did, we got a second one. So we we got a second Model X, the exact same car, one's in white, one's in black, but it's the same exact car uh, because having two kids, uh, knowing that like you just need, you need two cars, you need the ability. If there was an emergency, you got to get somewhere, you got to get to the doctor or whatever. We were just like, all right, we got to get two cars. And and we thought about a whole bunch of different cars. We were going to go with the SUV just in terms of room and space and you know, kids in the back and that whole thing. We thought of a whole bunch and then it was just like... Yes, this thing is not cheap, but there's just nothing better. <laughs> there just is nothing better. Uh, if you have not been in, a, in any of the Teslas, and, and even if you can't afford it, go, go to your local mall, go to the Tesla shop that's in your mall, or go to your you know, local Tesla outlet and just sit in one or take a ride in one. It, it's so cool. The technology is so cool. The touchscreen, uh, you know, there's no traditional engine, so it's smooth. The audio system's great. Like It's really, it's something else. Uh, FB says, have you seen Anna Kasparian's awakening about how off the rails the left has gone? I hope you can reach out to her and guide your former coworker as she starts the same journey you have already gone on. We need to embrace people who want to come to the side of truth. Uh, you know, I don't know much about this, but I will, say this, you know, in all my, so for those of you that don't know, Anna is the uh, the co-host of the Young Turks Network. That was the network that I was on for a couple years before my own political awakening and going independent and everything that you now uh, know me for. Anna and I were incredibly close. She was really like a sister to me and she was at our place every weekend and barbecuing and having drinks and going out and hanging out. She was invited to our wedding, which was about eight months after we left uh, the Young Turks, uh, I never had a problem with her. I thought we were still friends when we left. She, look, you know, I don't do the internet drama thing. It's not my thing. She has said unbelievably dishonest, like crazy, crazy things about me. The, the Young Turks themselves are just, like I never go after them. Do I, I don't know if I've even mentioned them on this show in five, seven years. I have literally no idea. Um, but they go after me all the time. It doesn't even matter. If she's waking up, if she's breaking out of the progressive groupthink, Uh, which I've seen a few people on Twitter saying that sort of thing because they tag me on it. That's great. And there's really nothing I have to do because once you start seeing the truth, uh, you'll either go to the truth or you'll just run back the other way. I I suspect like, it's sort of like, you know, you can't put a wave back in a cup. And if it's happening, it'll happen for her. Um, And I hope it happens for her. And I think she would probably find out the things that I found out, which are that these crazy right wingers, these Ben Shapiros and Dennis Prager's and Glenn Beck's and Dave Rubens and Larry Elders and Jordan Peterson's, they're not so bad uh, and they just want to live and let live and we can agree to disagree and the rest of it. So if she's on that path, I I wish her the best. And uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, well, I'd leave it at that. Uh, Bonnie says, Joe Rogan went on a bit of a rant Tuesday about how in general, Republicans are anti-gay. This is a stigma. The left has done a great job repeating over and over for years, and they have no problem looking into a camera and straight up lying. I feel about Joe Rogan, as you do about Bill Maher. He gets so many things right. And then he just fails on this BS. How do we fight this stigma? We're not anti-gay or transphobic. Just stop trying to sexualize children. It's so frustrating. Look, This is one of the ones where I think that last little step for a lot of the the red-pilled people, the Bill Maher types, the Rogans, as you mentioned, these types of people, they get hung up on a couple things, like they get hung up on something related to gays, which I think my life is an example that it just simply is not true, it just is not true. Generally, people on the right are more religious, right? So they do have their own religious beliefs, uh but th- for the most part they've stopped trying to legislate those religious beliefs and that's just what this the damn shame of what this lgbt activist hegemonic lunacy has done because once people got equality you could have just taken your foot off the pedal a little bit and been like oh we got equality it's good but then it morphed into this crazy tea thing and all the stuff about the kids and then it gets people on the right knowing uh justifiably upset right it gets it gets me upset right As a parent, it gets me upset. So uh, they've done something very dangerous there. I I think Rogan probably is just, he's probably just a little bit confused about what the truth is on that. I'd be happy to have that uh, conversation with him. I actually, I just sent him a note before the show because I did see this question. I think that would be a great thing to talk about. It's like, why am I welcome to the dinner table with Glenn Beck and Larry Elder and Jordan and all of these people, right? They can see things a little bit differently, but do you think they don't want Douglas Murray as part of their movement, Douglas Who Happens? to be gay, do you think they don't want Peter Thiel to be part of their movement or, or a functional member of society? Of course not, of course not. And, and Trump, to his credit, did, did an incredibly good job uh, by basically saying, it's not an issue. It's not an issue for me. And then he got this broad, diverse, diverse in the right sense, uh, coalition of people to help him get elected in 2016. Um, I think that there is a fundamental difference between the Gs and the Ls and the Bs and what's going on with the T thing. And I think more and more people have to understand that. So yeah, there you go. Uh, Nick says, based on what you've seen this election cycle, if DeSantis gets the nomination, who do you think would be his best choice for the VP position? I think there's a couple interesting options. Uh, My gut feeling is that he will not make a traditional choice, meaning I don't think he's gonna be like, okay, now we need the faux diversity, so I have to find a black woman, or I have to find, you know, as uh, Douglas Murray said last week, I have to find an overweight midget basketball player like I don't think it's gonna be like that. Um, I think there are some interesting choices. I think Kim Reynolds, who's the governor of Iowa, I think she's a firecracker that more people need to get to know. I've had her on the show met her a couple times off camera like re- I just think she's great and fun and light and she would just add like a little bit of magic there that would be really nice. I think she would be interesting. I think if you wanted to do something really kind of crazy you know he's going to the right of Trump that's a that's a calculation that they're making in this campaign. Um, but if you want to maybe for the, for the uh, general election, say a little bit, come back to center or, or offer the disaffected libs, that group I'm always talking about, who can actually move. If you want to throw them a bone, maybe you bring in a Tulsi Gabbard, right? Like that would be super interesting. I think there's, you know, there's probably like a whole bunch of other ways you could go. Maybe this would be a little more traditional thinking, but you could do a Nikki Haley or a Tim Scott. Um, I I don't know, but I do think with him at the top of the ticket, the vision will be very clear. The vision will be clear. And as I often say, it's like, what has this guy said he is going to do that he has not done? I, I don't know any other politician in my life that's ever operated like that. So there's reason to believe that he can make this thing happen and that his promises aren't just like these crazy over the top notions. They're actually like granular things that he can accomplish. So I think if you, if you go with that and then he brings in someone who's like it, my guess is my guess is it's going to be a governor. Cause I think he likes people like that. I think he likes really functional people and he likes people that have governed. So I don't think it will probably, it probably won't be a Senator probably won't be a congressperson. I think he would go for another, I'm going Kim Reynolds, that would be my guess. Uh, Lakers says the woke is more like a fog in society and no specific group like the Russian Bolsheviks. So did the woke grow out of the Democrat party or did they infect the Democrat party? It seems like the latter, as Obama warns of circular firing squad and the classic Marxist Bernie Sanders is always a step behind the woke talking points. That's a great question. You're asking me sort of chicken or the egg thing. You know, I've talked about this a bunch. In some ways, I don't think it matters. I think the the real answer to your question is that the woke ideology, which I agree, it's this amorphous thing, it's like, who's the leader of this thing? You know, Antifa, it's not a group, it's an idea, all these things. They used the soft underbelly of liberalism, right? What, unfortunately, do liberals generally put at the top of their hierarchy of importance. if you have a series of needs in your life, you have security, you have family, you have you know, in terms of where you want to live, you have weather, location, you have all these things that that have some level of priority in your life. Liberals generally, for some reason, have put tolerance at the apex of that, that you must be tolerant of everything. And this is uh, Karl Popper's uh, paradox of tolerance. You cannot be tolerant of intolerance. But the pro- the progressives saw that within the liberals and they used that soft underbelly to use tolerance against the tolerant people. And that's why liberals of today seem like the most intolerant people. They have swarmed and they have basically taken out all of the good liberals. So every time a decent liberal comes around, say me five years ago, guys, this is not what liberalism is all about. I wrote a book about it. You, You guys are not acting liberally. What do they do? They push you out. And then what you find is, oh, you can talk to conservatives and libertarians. And maybe we have a little bit of, Different stuff here, sure, but okay, but we're all willing to agree to disagree, while the other side becomes the hysterical authoritarians that AOC is accusing everybody else of being. So they are the most illiberal in the name of liberalism, which is very sad because the, the liberal, the idea of liberalism, a society based on individual rights and rationality and laissez-faire economics. It really is what modern conservatism is. I would say for the most conservative of you watching this, you might have sort of a religious notion attached to that, right? God-given rights. I'm personally very okay with saying God-given rights. The state did not give me rights. Your rights are innate to you as a human being, as some would say, God-given. For a certain set of liberals, they don't want to attach that to to something beyond man. I, I'm personally okay with that, but I know that's one of the things that say a Bill Maher might get hung up on. If you said they're God-given rights, Bill Maher would say, well, no, they're not. I don't believe in God. Except that means that the state, it's, it's either God or the state, right? It's either, it's either your human birthright, that you are born by the very nature of your existence as a free entity in this universe. And then the state can come along and if it didn't give you, it didn't give you those rights. So what can the state do? It can protect them. Right, the state can act as a protector of what God gave you. I'm personally okay with with that as a concept. I know some liberals aren't, and I think that that causes again some of the divide on why maybe a guy like Joe Rogan can't like fully get there or Bill Maher can't fully get there. But these are these are very like small nuanced things that I think we can work through. Anyway, uh, Eva says, "Hey, Dave, what's your favorite quote from history and why?" Uh, This one is very easy. I quote it on the show uh, fairly often. It is Ronald Reagan. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I mean, doesn't that sum it up? Does that not sum it up? After three years of COVID lunacy and masks and injections and mandates and lockdowns and lies and everything, it was all pushed by the government in, in the name of helping you. And did they help you or did they destroy your business or your family or your psychological state of being or whatever it might be? It is not to say, in my opinion, that the government has no role in the world whatsoever. It does have a role. It's what I just said, to protect those rights. I'm not an anarchist. I'm not saying there should be no government. I'm not fully in Mad Max yet. I might be. Let's revisit this in you know five, six years but I'm not there yet, Um, but the government is there to protect your rights, and when the government comes knocking on your door, it is usually not because they are there to help you. Lloyd says, what is your comment on the mainstream media continuing bias? The alleged shooter. The alleged shooter. And only then, in the last paragraph, the alleged shooter was a black male. Next story, first line, the white shooter was armed and had ties to. Right. So this is what they do. If it doesn't fit the narrative, right? Why is it that Joy Reid will rail again about how dangerous it is in Florida, but would never dare talk about the shootings in Chicago? To me, if people are shot unjustly, if there are murders, I don't care about their skin. I don't care about the skin color of who was shot or who the shooter was. Joy Reid does not want to report on 70, what was it? 73 people being shot in Chicago, 11 being murdered because it was all black on black crime. She can't do anything with that. It doesn't help her grand narrative. Her grand narrative is white people are evil and they are the oppressors and black people are the oppressed. So I will always go after Florida. Florida, the freest state in the nation. This is the same thing with if there's a trans shooter, they don't want you to know the shooter is trans. If it's a black shooter, they don't want you to know the shooter is black. If it's a white shooter with questionable motives, white supremacist, right? Like, this this is just how it works. But again, it's one of those things. Just see it, guys. Just see it. Know it's bullshit. And then hopefully, as time goes on, you can wake more and more people up to that fact. Uh, Debra says, what do you and the family do on the 4th of July? Well, my folks were here. Uh, it was my mom's birthday. So we we took her out the uh, two or three days before. They were here for the weekend, extended weekend. And my sister came with her kids. And then on the 4th, everybody had left and it was it was just us. And we barbecued. I made some wings. I made burgers. And I made hot dogs. Uh, grilled some barbecue chicken and, uh, we took the boys in the pool, which they love getting in the pool and the pools here. I don't, I don't even have to heat the pool. It, it's so hot in Florida in the summer. The pool's at like 92. So it's like nice and comfortable for them. And, and they kind of do their thing. And, and we just had like a nice day. Just listen to some music. I made some mojitos. You guys know that I'm i I'm a tequila guy usually, uh, but went with, uh, we did watermelon tequila, uh, watermelon mojitos, did a little muddling, uh, fresh watermelon, fresh mint, a little rum, quite delicious. Uh, Lawrence, oh, and then of course fireworks at night, which we weren't setting off, but they were going off like crazy in Miami. And Clyde was having a freaking nervous breakdown. We gave him some of those calming treats, but he just plowed right through them. uh, And it was a it was a loud evening, to say the least. Uh, Lawrence says, "Do you have any thoughts uh, to share about Mayor Francis Suarez running for president?" I thought it was misinformation first, but there's a campaign donation page, so perhaps it's legit. Yeah, he is running for president. I've mentioned him a bunch. I've had him on the show a couple times. I like him a lot. I think he's a great mayor. I think he's done an incredible job of taking refugees uh, from all over the country, but largely from California, from Silicon Valley, and bringing them here. And now Miami has such an unbelievable uh, an unbelievably strong economy. We're also voted the fittest city in the United States, the number one city to work in the United States. We have clean roads. You know, we're we're building like crazy. There's a lot of traffic here because so many new people have come. We have an issue with house prices because so many people have come. But these are these are products of success. We're also voted the number one happiest. City in the United States, and you can literally see it on people's faces here. When we go to the farmers market every Sunday, like people are happy and joyous. They say hello. It's for me. It's such a stark contrast between the misery and depression and neurosis of Los Angeles. Um, anyway, Suarez is running for president. Uh, my guess, my it, it, it doesn't feel like it's needed or sort of. Uh, I think he's doing it probably for future political ambitions. We'll, we'll get him on the show and talk about it for sure. Uh, he's already agreed to do it. We'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, the question for him right now is, you know, to get into that first debate, which is August 23rd, you need 40,000 individual donations. I, I don't know that he's gonna hit that threshold. There might be some other guys that don't hit that threshold as well, uh, but I don't know that he's gonna hit that threshold. But, you know, a lot of times it's just part of politics. This is not a this is not a judgment character on anybody. Um you know, in politics, you run once knowing it, you're just going to get a little more uh, a little more buzz, a few more people to know about you. And then the next time is the one or the next time or the next time or you keep going, right? So it's not always about that first foray in. But yes, he is running. And, and he's just a nice guy. You know, I mentioned a couple months back, we were having dinner in Coconut Grove. It's this nice, really nice sort of outdoor area, like just tons of people. It's safe. It's lovely. It's clean. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there having uh, dinner at a sushi joint. And Suarez is just walking around saying hi to people. Like he literally was just wandering around saying hi. It's like, that would never happen in New York City where Eric at. First off, he'd be booed, right? Most of the mayors, try to imagine a blue city mayor walking around. First of all, they'd be shot or stabbed or assaulted or whatever. Here he was just literally wandering around tables, just saying hi to people. How can I help? Uh, yeah, just a good guy. Uh, Amy says, you mentioned that you ate a hot dog on the 4th. What kind was it? And what is your favorite hot dog? Uh, this July 4th, we did the old fashioned Hebrew National, which I think are the go-to standard, like grade A hot dog, right? They, they serve a higher power, right? What's, what do they say? In the, what's the tagline for Hebrew National hot dogs? We, ser- we, uh, we answer to a higher authority. That's what they say. I don't know if they make, do they have commercials anymore or commercials on TV still? Um, so they do great hot dogs. If you want to try another great dog, that this, uh, they ain't cheap. And uh, this is a premium hot dog. Uh, Snake River Farms does a really fantastic hot dog. It's like it's for like four of them though. It's like it might be like 18 bucks. Like it, but the, but they're primo, big, juicy dogs. Uh, Janzi says, Dave, what did you, what do you think about the decision from a judge that the Biden administration cannot contact social media outlets to collaborate misinformation? Well, that's what we covered. On the show today, I would just add, it's good. It's really good. And thank God for the courts right now. Where would we be without the courts? And that really is why what AOC is saying, pack the courts, let's look, let's investigate them. It's so freaking dangerous. The courts have done a few things here. Look, sometimes the courts will do something maybe that I don't agree with, right? Uh, but you have to. You have to, You either believe in rule of law, you believe in the documents, or or you don't. Now they don't believe in the documents, and they don't believe in rule of law. So she only wants. She's only happy with the courts, and Joe Biden is only happy with the courts when the courts do what they want. But show me the argument. I read actually some of Ketanji Brown Jackson Jackson's dissent. There's no argument saying that in any of these things, I read the, the affirmative action one and I read the, the college admission one, there's nothing in the dissent saying, oh, this is, that the government does have the right to, to just erase someone's debt. Like, it's just not in the constitution. They may not like it, but this is the problem with progressives, right? Even when they get the, the highest level of power, being a Supreme Court judge, she's still trying to put her ideology into the court and thus onto the state what Clarence Thomas what what John Roberts what the other judges the more, the more conservative leading judges are they're looking at the constitution it's simply what is in this document and by the way if you don't like what's in this document there are ways to amend it there are ways to have more bills put in you need super majorities you got to get 67 senators blah, blah. like there's all sorts of things that you can do that's the legislative process. The, the progressives don't like the legislative process. AOC doesn't like the separation of powers. She pretends to like them uh, as she t- tries to undermine them at every step of the way. Um, but if you look, again, I think I made the point clear. If you look at the, these three decisions, there's nothing in the constitution that would force you as an individual to, do, to use your artwork, your skills, that, w- that the government could force you to use that, those skills in a way that you don't want. That's the Colorado law. There is nothing in the Constitution that says that colleges should be allowed to use race as an admissions factor, right? And there's nothing in the Constitution that says someone else should pay your debt. Those are just like simple, basic truths. They may not be happy with those truths, but they're truths nonetheless. Elizabeth says, what is your biggest fear? Ooh. President AOC. Um, No, I guess my biggest fear, well, especially now, like, having kids like my biggest fear is that the world that I grew up in that I knew and that I know we could have again that maybe we won't get like that the things that I'm always fighting for on this show um that they don't come to fruition that we continue that descent to hell that that things get worse, that collectivism and socialism replace individualism and capitalism, like that society somehow crumbles, that it will seem like a dream that my, you know, my childhood, a child of the 80s and 90s, that will all just seem like a long lost dream, that, um, that it was really good and we didn't do enough to defend it. And then thus, my biggest fear would be that the world that my children would be growing up in won't be as good. And I guess that's incumbent on you as a, as a parent Well, as an adult to some degree but i think very specifically as a parent to fight for a better world and and most people i guess don't they just check out it's it's tough to do it's painful to do it's uh they're gonna come get you if you do but i just don't see a choice so i think that's it that that the world would be worse off for my kids Uh, ham-handed says is there anything that will stick to hunter biden uh, he is more Teflon than Bill Clinton. I mean, look, they found freaking cocaine at the White House. And then immediately the media's reporting we'll never know who brought the cocaine in. It's like these people can face ID every grandma who was at January 6th and somehow they they just announce we're never going to figure it out. I don't know if it was Hunter Biden with the cocaine there, but the amount of stuff on the laptop, the Burisma job, the emails, the voicemails, the crack smoking, writing off uh, prostitutes, like all of it. And the man still freaking walks free. I don't know if that will ever get him. I do not know. Democrat privilege, man. Uh, I think this is the last question, George says, whatever happened to all the January 6th footage Tucker had, uh, what he showed certainly did not sustain the deadly insurrection narrative. You know, I do not know, actually, it's a great question. um, McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy did say he was, didn't McCarthy say he was going to release it wider than just Tucker? Did, do we know if he ever did that? No, he, didn't. He, he As far as we know, he has not done that. I don't know. Uh, maybe that had something to do with Tucker being released. If Tucker's still sitting on the stuff, my guess is it will come out over time. By the way, I just saw that Tucker is going to be on uh, Russell Brand's show on Rumble tomorrow. So that's fantastic. And maybe we can tie some knots a little bit tighter with Tucker on the rumble front, you know, that all depends on the Fox lawsuit and everything else. Uh, So we'll see about that. Uh, And uh, I'm getting a little info here. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said that Congress should, oh, right, right, which was an odd one. Marjorie Taylor Greene said that Congress shouldn't release all of the January 6th footage. So it's, it's all very confusing. You got Marjorie Taylor Greene somehow on the side of AOC. I'm on the side of transparency on this one, which is I want to see more of the footage. I want to know how many feds were there. I want to see all of the video of them moving barricades and letting people walk in and the peaceful protesters and then the rambunctious ones and and all of the stuff. You know, the truth will set you free. Ain't ain't it the truth? That is our program for today. We have a uh, Friday round table extravaganza. I'm psyched for the show tomorrow. We've got Viva Fry. And Robert Barnes, Viva is on uh, fairly frequently every couple months. I haven't had Barnes on in probably a couple of years, Uh, but these guys do a great show, Viva and Barnes. They're over on Locals, over on Rumble, Uh, but both great legal minds, both lawyers, and they get all the cultural stuff. And uh, Barnes is a big Trump guy. Uh, Viva's probably somewhere in the middle. Obviously, I'm a DeSantis guy. We'll get into all that and more, and we'll talk about the laws and the affirmative action and all that stuff. So stay tuned for that. And if you want to join us for the post-game show, give me about 30 seconds at rubinreport.locals.com. And we leave you with Teflon Hunter Biden. Hold on, I, I need another hit or I'll fall asleep.